Welcome everybody back to another exciting show of the About That Water podcast show where I help you build strong financial behaviors. And I have the awesome opportunity to interview Dr. McDowell, uh, who has really interested in helping you be proactive in your lives instead of being proactive, reactive to everything that is around you. So how are you doing, Dr. McDowell? I'm good. I can't complain. You know, work is always coming my way and I'm just blessed and honored. Um, and I'm just so excited to share time and space with you today and talk about that wallet. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so can you just tell us a little bit about your business? Absolutely. So Inspired Minds Collide, um, LLC. Um, I am the founder um, and sole proprietor. I thought about ways I've been working in education for a number of years, started out as a teacher, assistant principal, director, executive director, um, but I felt like I wasn't able to touch lives the way I wanted to. And so I started randomly, people would ask me, hey, you know, do you have spare time? My school needs this help. Do you have spare time? I, it seems like you're a coach because one of my official job titles was a coach. Um, and so around, I would say around the pandemic, I've been doing this work for about 10 years informally, but I finally opened my LLC in 2020 um, and started working with various clients because I truly believe that you are the greatest tool in your toolbox, right? I can give you strategies, I can give you tools, but how do I help people figure out that everything that they have is everything that they need to be successful? So I conduct different professional development workshops, I do individual coaching, um, I have done a few keynotes across the continental United States, just really talking to leaders, educators, and practitioners about how we enhance the greatest tool that we have, which is ourselves. That is awesome. So you're like all around doing the big stuff. I am. I am. I just came from um, in April. I had a keynote with Northwest um, Positive Behavior Supports. I did their keynote uh, for their 20th annual conference this year. Proud of them. Shout out to my clients. They're the best ever. So I'm really excited for the journey. So what got you into this journey? Ooh, if I'm honest, and since we're talking about that wallet, um, I have always been nurtured to be that person with that one good job, with those one, with those good benefits. And what I realized, particularly as a black woman, um, I have astro astronomical student debt. I mean, it's not, it's public knowledge. <laughs> I definitely have a terminal degree. Shout out to Drexel, shout out to NYU and shout out to Howard University. Um, and so I had to realize not only I've always had a spirit of giving, but I felt like it wasn't being monetized, but I felt real bad. Like, should I charge people for, you know, what I'm, I'm doing? And I've got so many beautiful mentors. And at the end of the day, I realized that people not only wanted to compensate me, I needed to get very clear on what my worth was. Right. And so when I opened up IMC, Inspired Minds Collide, feel free to go to our website, inspiredmindscollide.com. Um, 
I wanted to make my prices not only affordable, but also as a black woman being compensated adequately, because I know I bring a certain amount of skills to the table, right? And I also felt like the traditional nine to five, as much as I loved my traditional nine to five, it also wasn't giving me the flexibility fiscally to do what I knew was best regarding travel, regarding self-care. I, I preach, you're the greatest tool in your toolbox, but Erica couldn't pay for a vacation. <laughs> Erica had to wait piecemeal her, you know, every two week salary and I wasn't getting what I needed to be successful. So the company for me is twofold. One, it's giving me what I need fiscally in order to do the work that I've been called to do, but also getting out of that nine to five fiscal and like even like mental box and figuring out how do I leverage what I have to give myself first what I need and then give it to others. Oh, wow. So what was that like when you had your first sale? Ooh, um, it was very, it was beautiful. My first official client was right before I actually went official, got my EIN and everything. That's when it pushed me over because just FYI for the folks on the line, it is very good to get your LLC and <laughs> or open up your business because the tax liability, when you get a check in your name, that's not, didn't take taxes out. You have to figure that out. So that was the, that was the bad part of it. When I got paid, it was like, I took a hit that next year in taxes, right? But on the front side, what I realized with my first client was I'm gifted to do what I do. The client actually said, you are undercharging. You are worth more than what you're charging. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing was I felt so alive. I can't explain it to you, Anthony, but it was a, I felt like I was doing this great work. I wasn't bogged down by like traditional hierarchy, like you have a boss and no, I was able to do it on my own time frame. And then I got to see some immediate impacts into my work, right? Because when you're a contractor, you have a scope, right? So if I'm hitting my scope, I'm going to see those outputs. Whereas if you're working a traditional teaching job, or sometimes you don't see students till 10 years later and it's like, oh, <laughs> something I did worked. Whereas that first client, when I went and did some coaching and consulting, um, and actually was out of the state, um, they put me on a train and um, they taught me also what paperwork looked like, right? I didn't even have an idea about contracts or things of that nature. So it was beautiful, but it was also a learning lesson. And I would give that to everyone. Stay open to the lessons that you need to learn about your business, particularly fiscally, because I've grown because I've been in community. And I, I give that to my first client that they were, they were so awesome in helping me learn the consulting business, but also recognizing and supporting um, my work. Awesome. So, because there's a lot of women, actually, a lot of black women actually listen to the show. Uh, <laughs> is there any, um, yeah, one of my statistics that actually show, like, I think it's about 65% women actually listen to the show, yeah. um, which is really amazing. Um, either it could be my voice or just the clients that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a combination. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but what is it that um, is the biggest hurdle for you? Like, um, somebody that's listening to this can actually say, you know, what, I have something of value and I want to share this out. What are the top three things that you will uh, recommend for them to do? Mm, top three things that I want to share this out. Get in community with other folks doing the work that you want to do or you are doing. I think that particularly for black women, 
um, I was very nervous about sharing my gift with folks because I don't know if you've heard of the crabs in the barrel mentality. Like, well, if I tell you this, honestly, when you get out in the field, no one can be you. Even if you took my website, took all my PowerPoints and tried to stand up and train and facilitate like me, you would never be me. But it is also good to be around folks who are other consultants, right? Um, and then also open yourself up to learning because now I'm in the position where I'm cultivating other young black women to have their own consulting firms, to have their own LLCs, right? So get in community, that's number one. Number two, assess. What does that mean? You need to assess like how much you are going to invest in you. I'm not gonna lie, I literally just got in the mail my annual report that I have to pay, right? The state of New Jersey and I'm okay with that, right? But insurance I pay every month, right? General and professional liability. What are you willing to invest in order to see the outputs of it. And so I think you need to assess like, do I have X amount of dollars every month for the next year to invest before I see the fruits of my labor? And if you're not able to do that, you should spend some time figuring out how you put some money to the side so you can invest in yourself, right? A lot of people, I didn't have like investors. I think that's a great idea. So assess if you can get someone to invest in your company. Great, but make sure that you don't, because I've seen a lot of folks jump into entrepreneurship and they don't count the cost. It's kind of like, I wanna do it. But then you really can't pay your rent. You can't pay your mortgage, right? You're thinking about different things. Maybe you wanna figure out if it's part-time or full-time, right? Um, and I think the third thing that I want people in my position to know is be resolute. Um, I am a clinical associate professor at the University at Buffalo, and I teach a class about building school and district capacity. Um, and one of the books we read is, is called Change Leader by Michael Fullen. And one of his parts is being resolute. There are going to be so many moments across the journey where you get an unexpected bill. I used to have very bad anxiety about tax season, like very bad. But then I went and got an accountant, right? Like, okay, I'm not gonna stress about something that isn't right. And then over the past couple of years, I've been very fine. I think that you have to be resolute in what you know to be true about yourself because there's gonna be a lot of people who question it. As a black woman running her own business, having a full-time job and I have a part-time job, right? Oh, wow. That questions a lot of people like, well, how do you, because I'm, I'm an anomaly, but my, my focus on being resolute about what I've been called to for whom and what, and also what I need to be successful. I tell people all the time, I have curated a life that I don't have to regularly escape from. And so be resolute about this is the life I want build community in which you're meeting people who do the work you do, right? And that might take you not getting paid some things. Like, I just want to shadow. Can you help me, right? In the beginning of my business, I wasn't making that much money, right? But also being very clear and then assess, like assess where your money is yeah. <laughs> and how much you can lean into the to the work. I love it because you, you've shown over and over again that you've taken the time out to learn then you're actually taking the time out to actually take action, which takes time and energy to do, and then to be consistently consistent. Mm -hmm. And you mm. have three of the top things because 
a lot of people aren't consistently consistent even when it comes to podcasting i always think about it all the time it's like people want to do a podcast but are you willing to put in the energy and time in away from family to do such thing and a lot of people aren't um but there's i think there's almost like three thousand or three million different podcasts that are out there but maybe one or two percent are still active so you know just kind of one of those things that just put in a different perspective of different fields of how it is that you can actually maintain something that you want to stay proactive on um, versus being so reactive to everything else and looking around you so to stay on this topic here is um so what got you into all of this fun stuff <laughs> um I think when people ask me, how did I get into the work? The work found me. Um, I started out as a kindergarten, the fifth grade teacher in New Jersey, teaching theater, right? Um, yeah, it's all there, right? I have two theater degrees, y'all. Educational theater um, in, um, from NYU and then theater education from the Howard University. And I, just started doing the work, like teaching folks. And I, I think part of my theater background has helped me facilitate, right? Um, there's some things that I just know what to do and how to stand. Um, and then, but I love children. I, I wanted to be a professional actress. Like I wanted to be on TV and I was a camp counselor when I was 16 years old in a theater art, in a arts camp. So it was a theater camp counselor, which was me, uh, a music, like music, like vocal um, and dance. And I fell in love with children. I can't lie to you. And I haven't actually birthed any children, but children are my drive. And people who want to harm children, there's a special place for you, right? And so what's gotten me in this work is finding gaps in, oh my gosh, I can't really help that person because that's not part of my job description. And that's kind of where IMC started. When I was a theater teacher, I would just go and help different organizations for little to no money. People would give me donations, but people would ask me like, hey, can you come in and do some work with um, around management of students? Because we have these students we're working with. And I'm like, okay, I love kids. And then IMC actually started to grow. Um, I will say uh, post my divorce. And you talked about a lot, like having that capacity I realized that there was an opportunity in one of the worst times of my life to even give a little more, even through my hurt and my pain. And so post my divorce, I kind of had that traction. I, you know, I didn't have a husband, you know, my stepson, um, I wasn't living with them anymore. And so I felt like it was also almost a love thing for me. Like, let me love on people. Let me love on students. Let me love on districts, right? Because I work at these places, right? I know what it feels like to go to work and work in education and go oh I'm so tired I don't know what to do you know I've had to go and talk to children I've ran out of one of my schools barefoot one time because I had to go find a child right like it that's what happens and so I think for me it was a need a love that honestly I had a void in right I wasn't getting what I needed in my regular life and then also I think that what we forget is that it is okay for us to be compensated and live well I had to dismantle that thought of whatever you give me is enough rather 
this is what I deserve and this is what I will work to. That's what I'm working for, right? I know what I deserve fiscally, emotionally, romantically. And if those things don't manifest for me, I will be honest with you. Every person that interacts with me, I don't become in a client relationship with. One, can we work together? Two, can you honor what I'm asking? And number three, are you ready to do the work? So I rarely do one and done contracts. Like if you see me once and then I'm leaving, I'm usually working with people for a long period of time. So that's the way I would answer that. Like, hey, I, love. I mean, it's your life. I mean, that's one of the cool things I love about this show is that you get to hear everybody's uh, experiences and also how they actually interpret those particular downfalls or not really downfalls, but those kinks in in your vision, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of either steer you to do something differently or do you push through it and get over that, that worry? Push through. There Please push through. Whoever's listening to us, push through. Um, I am a witness of, I'm the queen. If you want to put a picture of push through, it's Dr. E. Push through. There you go. Um, now we have the third segment and the reason why I love this segment, which is talking about the features is because every person that came on here, uh, when they said that they had something that they want to do within the next two years, they were able to accomplish it within that first year. So what is it that you want to accomplish within the next two years or the future of your company to be? Hmm. I've been struggling with this question, um, cause folks ask me. Um, this question a lot and I'm always hesitant to add to to answer I will say this in the next one or two years I want to be able to leverage my business in a way where I don't have to work a hundred jobs uh, <laughs> um, I talked about curating a life I don't have to regularly escape from also being very clear on it if I'm honest with you um, Anthony I'd love to be in partnership and I'd love to have a baby and I know that's very shocking for folks on the line. Like, where do you see yourself in two years? In two years, I see myself with a baby. I see myself in a relationship, right? Um, and I think we were talking about I'm happily divorced, um, but I am happily a hopeful romantic. And so I think when we talk about being career driven, when you go home, I don't live for a career. I live for my family and my friends, right? And my adopted family. Um, And so in two years, I see myself that way. So what life am I curating in order to do that? And what I see is IMC expanding, right? Um, Still teaching, right, at at the university level and also being able to give to different organizations, but centering the fact that as much as I'm the greatest tool in my toolbox, I want to create a tool as well. Um, And so I know that it's probably an unorthodox answer, but to be honest, that's what I'm declaring and decreeing for the next year or two years. Um, I've moved to Buffalo, New York, shout out to Buffalo, um, because I wanted to start something, particularly in my personal life and give myself that opportunity to grow. And I believe that the way I've structured my company, it it will shift to what I need. Right. And so instead of saying, oh, my gosh, you know, people are like, I don't know if I can have a baby because my job, I own my own company. Mm -hmm. If I need to pause clients for a little bit, that's exactly what I'll do, Um, because I want to be happy. Look, I have a sign up for the people who are listening. Do what makes you happy. So in the next two years, I want to do what makes me happy. And it is all encompassed of leading and teaching and also um, building my personal life. Nice. 
Now, one of the things is talking about your personal life because I've known you what, <laughs> oh, what 14 years? Yeah, it's been a while. But look, I was still an undergrad when well, we both were still an <laughs> undergrad. <laughs> I had that extended program, but you know. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So one of the things is that um, I have to say, and I commend you on that your weight loss journey was such an inspiration. Um, do you have a moment to kind of talk about that before we talk about the final four? Yes. Um, so I will tell people this. I was, I am an original fat girl. And um, I, I, if anybody, and Anthony knows me well enough where I'm very unapologetically who I am. I, <laughs> and what happened was I probably right before I got married. So like 2015, 2016, I got a boot. I messed up my foot. I had hired a trainer because I was pre-diabetic at the time. Like literally everything started crumbling. I was like, no, I'm fat. I'm good. But it was like, hey, sis, you, you can't breathe and you got pre-diabetes. Okay. When it got a trainer during that training session, I they thought I had a heart attack. Um, sent me to the ER, got there. My fiance at the time, he's like crying. <laughs> and I had chest wall inflammation because I was so heavy. It was impacting um, a lot of my organs. And so I'm very transparent in letting people know I did have weight loss surgery. I had the gastric sleeve. Um, but I will tell people after that, I had a um, my gallbladder removed. And then six months after that, my appendix got removed, which is crazy so i've actually had some severe medical issues post that um but i do not regret it um know that before i left philadelphia i had a trainer shout out to my trainer um because it is a tool and i want everyone to really center the fact that i wanted to live and i literally had my surgery about i'd say six months after i got married I was committed to being healthy and being healthy for the marriage that I was in, for the son that I was raising at the time, right? And so I just want people to be very, I, and some people are very hesitant about talking about surgery. It was a tool. When I talk about tools all the time, again, I, I let people know all the time I had a trainer, I had all these things and it wasn't working for me. So what tool am I going to leverage for me to be the best person? And I'm glad now Rona didn't hit me. Look, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still cute, but you know, and so... <laughs> Um, I'm excited to lean into my university's facilities um, because now I don't have chest wall inflammation when I work out or things of that nature. And so I, I'm appreciative of my weight loss journey. I'm glad that I'm not where I was, but I also want to encourage somebody if you're sitting here like I'm dealing with all these things, figure out the tool you need to be successful, whether that be a trainer, whether that be surgery, whether that just be like coaching and just walking, do what you need to do to be successful. Right. Or well, you can listen to today about that wild podcast show as you're on your weight loss journey or wherever if you're on a walk journey or Yes. Find your journey. Yeah. And it's not about the scale, it's about the mindset. There you go. I like that. All right, you ready for the final four questions? I'm ready. All righty. So question number one, what does wealth mean to you? Mm. <laughs> so let's parse out what wealth and rich is. I think wealth has a sustainability lever that, ri that being rich does not have. So one of the things that I, I was talking to my nephew a couple months ago, he's like nine or 10. And my goal is to eventually hand off my company to someone. 
because that's how we create not only wealth, but generational wealth. Now, I can go out here and get two big clients, be good for two years. Yeah, I might be, you know, I might have some money for a while, but what is the sustainability lever? And so that's why I've been very big on my investments now. So I'm going to shout out people like once you get some money, you need to be saving it and you need to be investing it. And you're like, well, my check, who cares? Right. You have to see who cares at the point if you're living and I've, I've had to learn this about the road to become wealthy because um Anthony, Dr. E's not wealthy, um, but the road to wealth is making some long term. And I, on my website, I talk about all the time being proactive. I don't want anybody right now. If something happened to me, it's enough money to bury me. Right. <laughs> If something right, most of my things go to my goddaughter and my steps, my goddaughters, shout out to Lola and Katalia and um, my, my stepson, right? What are you planning for the future, right? Because I understand life is filled with swift transition. And so in order for me to build wealth, I have to think about the generations in front of me right and what does that look like in order for me to plant foundational seeds because think about it, if someone had an insurance policy in my name or something i wouldn't have had to pay for college yep. part of my biggest debt is college, college. and so <laughs> i want to afford these young people to build wealth but also at the same time i'm investing in myself i'm saving some money right i am still driving a raggedy nissan i really want a bmw but is that about my wallet right now no so wealth for me is something that you build sustainability and wealth is not just about you. Let's dismantle that. If you are, because you won't keep it. Even in the tax world, you need to go give some of your money away or you're going to get a, a, a liability. So I just want people do it for the right reasons. Like, okay, I'm going to put some of this to the side because as you build wealth, you're going to have to like, you live in America. So you're going to have to figure out how you get breaks. And I, I believe in giving back to folks. And so that's how I, I'm sustaining it. I'm thinking about the future, but I'm also saving, investing in myself. So at the end of the day, when I get to the point where I don't want to work anymore, I don't have to. There you go. I like it. That's wealth. Y'all heard it from Dr. McDowell. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. What was your worst money mistake? Ooh, I'm going to be very transparent. Co-signing for a car that was not for me. Oh. Um, Shout out to... um, Folks on the line, I'm going to be honest with you. Do not get in partnership with folks who need your social security number to get something they need. And I, it was because I'm a lover. Like I I love people. I try to meet people's needs. Like I made a fiscal mistake this year. I did something real crazy because somebody in my family needed something. Right. But um, when I put that car in my name, it, it's attached to me. So if the person doesn't pay it, it is my fault. And so thinking about years down the line, you know, I want to make moves, but sitting on my credit score is a whole car. Yep. Who's making the monthly payment, even if I don't have the car with me. And so I will tell people all the time, be very very um, protective about what you put your name to Right. And I would never recommend anybody to co-sign for anything that you don't drive, that you don't wear, that if 
no um so that was the worst fiscal decision and it wasn't for a family member it was for like a person so that i would not co-sign for anybody (laughs) that you don't have that entity with because it's still your liability and how can you create wealth if you have all these liabilities that you can't control exactly right number three what is your favorite financial or non-financial book so ooh, and this is this is catching me okay so my non-financial book which i think is a great book if you want to get to finances you are your best thing and tarana burke and brene brown um were co-editors and had different people write stories Mm. and in some of the stories it talked about kind of what i'm talking about like my parents didn't make the best decisions and i learned more on story i'm a storyteller i took storytelling at nyu you can pull my transcript up i got an a right um what about your story? That's why I'm all big about, you know, who's in your community, because a lot of the steps that I didn't, a lot of the steps that I took that were good were missteps that other people in my community take, took and said, ooh, like insurance. They made sure I got insurance before when I started my company. Go get you some insurance, right? right. Um, because to folks on the line, it's like, if something happens, you're wiped out, Right. And so knowing that, so I think for me, it's just really thinking about that book, you are your best thing, but how do I keep my best thing, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm my best thing, any money or any financial decisions have to benefit me. And shout out to the cancers on the line, right? I am naturally... I'm just emotional and I make and I realized that I was making emotional fiscal decisions that also were a part of historical patterns in the black community. Let's just keep it out there. And so to read this book about you are your best thing and how people have acknowledged the the history of our people, but also have made dramatic steps to ensure that they're their best thing for me, that's why I'm unapologetic about the way I move surrounding my money. Because if I'm my best thing, I'm going to invest in that thing. Um, and that might not be investing in what you think, right? Right. And so that's You Are Your Best Thing. Great book. And also all the writers there are black and brown and we're compensated adequately. So go get that book. It was a very good book. Awesome. The last question is, what is your favorite dish to make? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So in college, it was Big Ziti. Okay. But it's a bad story. So I used to make it, and I was a poor college student. So if I made it for a potluck, I would wrap it back up and, and take it home if they ain't finish it, because <laughs> that was my meal for <laughs> Um, My favorite meal to cook? Yes. What to make in general? Mm, well, people think I'm a good cook. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, I learned, look, positives of marriage, you learn how to cook, like you learn how to figure some (laughs) stuff out. Right. Right. I think for me, I probably have two dishes that'll knock your socks off. Okay. Ready? Yep. Um, my curry kale is so good. Mm. That's a good dish that I love. Um, and another thing that I love that I make really well, I think is peach cobbler um from scratch like okay 
flour, baking soda, peaches. Like, I think I can make a good peach cobbler. Um, yeah. Okay. I think peach cobbler will win. Now, do you put ice cream on the side, too? Of course you can. Vanilla bean, come on. <laughs> Drizzle a little maple syrup. Stop playing with me. I got you. All right. You might have to show you have to show a picture of me, like uh, send a video to me or something like that. I'll make sure. I oh, of course, I'm trying to try different recipes. They have like, um, I think I found like a peach liqueur, um, mm-hmm. so I might try to use that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build, and that's all. You being the greatest tool in your toolbox, I think I need to build capacity. I have a beautiful kitchen, um, so I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna send you a picture. I promise. All right. Thank you so much. So this is the final question of the show that I usually ask everybody, which is how could people find more out when you find out more about you? <laughs> so you can go on inspiredmindscollide.com. Um, we have our Twitter handle at we are IMC. Um, feel free uh, to shoot me an email at the bottom of my website that goes straight to my email account. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I have a couple videos on YouTube. A lot of my clients um, have, you know, permission to record me. So feel free to just Google my name, um, Erica Leslie McDowell. Um, <laughs> you might see a different last name, but again, I'm happily divorced. Um, shout out to my ex-husband. He's good. Um, and that's how you reach me. At the end of the day, I have, how do I say I have boundary issues. So if you reach out to me, we're going to become friends. All right. So I hope I hear from you all and know that I probably respond very quickly because I love to work. This is my baby. And so that's how you can reach me. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening to another exciting show of the About That Water podcast. All right, everybody. I'm out. Be safe.